Hey friends, I'm Tim with Sequel, and I'm here with Josh Calzano. Josh has quite the resume. He has been a worship leader at three different mega churches. He's open for David Crowder, Phil Wickham, and a host of other big names. And at one point, he was the youngest creative director of a multi-campus megachurch in this country. Today, my friend Josh is the creative director of Sequel Ministries, and he is actually the brainchild of this podcast that you're listening to. He's one of my best friends, and I cannot wait for you to hear part of his story. Josh Calazano, welcome to Free and Light. Glad to be here. Wow, that feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> well, this is your baby, so we've, <laughs> you know, I feel like the world needs to hear your story before we get too oh, deep man. into this project. So awesome. Yeah, uh, this is this is special for me because uh, we're here at Haven. For our listeners who don't know what Haven is, it's a house, a retreat center that we have at Sequel, and um, it is beautiful. It's on about fifty acres or so. And we just came off of Getaway. The first. The first. The very first. Getaway, um, which is an experience for men and women to come and learn to slow down and listen. Yeah. Learn to settle before Jesus. And uh, you had a big part in leading that. And uh, this is the tail end. We're a little tired. Yeah, the house is empty. It's clean <laughs> and empty. All those guys have left. And uh, we are actually watching the season change right now. We are. It's it's beautiful where we're at. and. This is exciting. Uh, Josh, how long have we been friends for? Oh, man. Um, are we, is it 15? I think so. About 15 years? Mm -hmm. There was a lull. Yeah, there yeah. was a lull. But, but it's because you left. I, I went to Florida. That's right. <laughs> I left and then I came back. Yes. Uh, and uh, reunited and it feels so good. It does. It does. <laughs> and, and now we're here and who would have thought that we would be here doing this together? That's it. That's it. Well, so great. I'm excited uh, to have this conversation. We actually tried to do this one time. Yeah, we did. Before uh, in a barn. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember if the cameras didn't work or the lighting was bad or the audio, but. I, th I think two dreamers and creatives had a good idea to do. Actually, that was after an event as well. It was, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like this could go sideways too. <laughs> Let's hope for the best. It didn't work. It was a technical thing. And I, I, quite honestly, I think I was super grateful that it didn't work out because <laughs> I was not, I don't think I was ready to talk about things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. hopefully you're ready now. So, yeah. all right. So you've had some pretty big roles at some pretty big churches. And, um, and I met you actually at one of those churches. Mm -hmm. uh, so mega churches, it's, you know, everybody knows what a mega church is, hopefully. Um, you know, but where I met you this, this in the second season after my Florida role, you were a very different person mm. than when I first knew you, when right. we were, you know, you were leading worship and I was helping uh, the best I could. You were burned out. You were exhausted. Yeah. So just describe for us where were you at what was happening in your life and, and i think just to put it in perspective i think this was like 2013 14 right that sounds right okay but it feels like a blur <laughs> like when i say it feels like a lifetime ago i it does feel like a lifetime ago and i think there's actually a spiritual reason for that um that we could talk about maybe a little later at another time um i think the short version of 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 my story is that I grew up in a church that grew into what we would affectionately know as a mega church. Mm -hmm. It was a biggish church that just grew and grew and grew. That was a church I grew up in and I loved it. Um, so I was a church kid 
and uh, getting opportunities to sing and play and do things with student ministries and lead worship. Uh, I knew I knew enough about music to where I was very proficient. So as I watched others kind of go away to school for creative type studies um, or go and get like a worship degree, uh, I have this I had this overwhelming sense that like, you know what, I need to go a little bit of a different path. And I wanted to learn as much as I could during those college years, that undergrad time um, about this God to whom we're singing and to whom I was trying to help point people to. Um, so I went to Bible college for that. Um, but along the way, gosh, even, even while kind of doing the job and studying and all that, uh, things started to shift and it, looking back, I didn't know it then, but looking back, um, it became a lot more about other things Mm -hmm. than this great God that we had the opportunity to lead and worship. So how did all that lead to eventually you know, 2013, 14, 15, you know, you're burned out. Cause at that point, you know, so that's the early stages of I'm working in a mega church. I'm doing yeah. the worship thing. When we reconnected, you were on your third mega church. Yeah. So fast forward a lot of years um, of really cutting, like the first time we met cutting, cutting my teeth in ministry, like the real felt like the real deal and seeing like the fruit of hard work and teamwork and all that stuff. That's when we first met, but the time you're talking about, yeah, you're right. Uh, third mega church um for those that kind of know the structure like an executive level type leadership so mm-hmm. when you say that i was the youngest multi-campus mega church whether you call it a worship pastor creative director um right. somebody told me that and even at that time like that was a badge of honor mm-hmm. looking back that should have been a massive red flag <laughs> uh i don't think i i wasn't looking back again i was not ready for that, um, quite honestly, very few are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember though, just trying to keep climbing, to keep doing. Uh, it became so much more about running fast and hard, and quite honestly, building a brand mm-hmm. than uh, truly leading and trying to care for people. Mm-hmm. People became almost a means to an end, mm. whether it was staff, volunteers all of that. And, and, and that had to be fast. exhausting. It was extremely exhausting. But at the same time, being so quote unquote young, I just assume like that's the way we're all supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. You, as you get older, you get busier mm-hmm. and you get better. More things come your way and you get busier and busier and busier. And so I really bought into, well, if you're not working over 50 hours a week, especially at this level, you're not doing it like Mm -hmm. you're not doing it right. There's two quotes that are coming to mind as you're saying this. The first is what Bill says a lot about himself. He says, my competency was way ahead of my character. hundred percent. The second is this. One of my favorite theologians, author, uh, Dallas Willard, but he says, when it came to spiritual growth, I realized I had nothing to say. After attending three Christian colleges, growing up a Christian, I realized I was almost terminally ignorant about God and soul. Those aren't my words, but they might as well have been my words. That, that's all I wanted to do when I had set out on this journey that God was leading me on was to study, to know him, to truly know him as best as I could so I could point people to that same 
God. And I think over the years, it turned into going from mountaintop to mountaintop experience, highs and lows. So the highs were high, but man, the lows were really low. So I'm sure you had a few failures come to mind during your leadership journey. Are there any big failures that kind of stick out? Yeah, there's, there are a couple that come to mind. One, uh, maybe eight, nine years ago, uh, I was tasked with uniting about 10 campuses worth of, of leaders. Like we're talking staff people, mm-hmm. so staff, uh, worship pastors. And I was charged with using strong leadership, which didn't feel right. But again, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I thought this is just what you do when you've arrived yeah. where I felt I had and how arrived old were to. you? Well, I would have been 30. Yeah. So 30 years old. Um, and I, I actually remember telling this group of guys, some I'd actually known a, a long time and maybe you would have been friends. Uh, I remember saying, I'm, I'm actually not here to be your friend. I'm here to move us in the direction that we need to go. <laughs> oh my. I want to punch you right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've, I have, uh, proverbially punched, whatever that word is, uh, punched myself yeah. for that one. Um, and honestly, I don't know that I've really fully recovered from that. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's something that still hangs with me. Mm-hmm. It still stings um, because I genuinely love people yeah, and I love friendship. Um, but it, it shows just how clouded my own judgment and wisdom or lack of wisdom was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I cannot believe that I, I was thought I had to be a super strong leader um, leveraging a position over a relationship. So that was, uh, that was, that would be the leadership one. That's not who you are, by no. the way, it, it never has been who you are. And right. it's certainly not today, but how did that kind of leadership affect your faith? It really shined a spotlight on me. And I don't mean in a good way mm-hmm. and not even in a revealing way, but it really made it feel like this all rises and falls on me, mm. my ability my confidence, my ability to lead and lead others. And um, it was a super cloudy time. I remember that. Was there, what was the connection with Jesus like? You know, we say it a lot and um, I hope I'm not skipping too far ahead, but we tell people it's one thing to know a lot about God. It's another thing to know him. Mm -hmm. I would 100% put myself in the category of knowing a lot about God at that time. Yeah, because you've been to Bible college. You've obviously been in huge ministries. Yeah, I mean, you led people masses, and I mean, I I remember seeing you lead three or four thousand people in worship at one point, and it was so moving. Yeah. So let me ask you, and I know this is a leading question, but but what changed? Yeah, in that season, it was a slow being let go, like literally from an organization, um, three things happened. One, uh, I was, I was quickly humbled, you know, by, by the organization that I was at for a lot of different reasons Two, uh, you and Bill saw it and invited me into something different. You invited me to come to uh, what we call refresh, which is a year long experience for men that we know now at the time it was twice a year off in the woods, camper cabins. Yeah, there there was no from, grand plan at that point. <laughs> no, no, there was no website or any, there was nothing. It was yeah. just, you guys had done this and uh, we affectionately say I was something like guy five right. or six, the 
fifth or sixth guy invited in. And it was a quick yes. It was a quick yes, I think mostly because I just wanted to get away. Mm-hmm. Like a change of pace, change of scenery. Like, yes. Um, I remember Rachel, my wife, was very much like, yep. But didn't say anything. Please else. go. Yeah, just 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 <laughs> please go. It was that being humbled in my in my work, you guys noticing, being invited in and actually being exposed to this idea that God is speaking. He he desires a deep relationship and walk with us if we would just slow down long enough to even learn how to open our ears and our heart to what he's saying. When you say being humbled at work. Uh, What I mean by that is there was about an eight month process of a literal like chopping and chipping and whittling away of my actual job. I think in uh, another organization at another time, it would have been like, this just isn't working. So you've got a month and, let's, and you're fired and you're, yeah, let mm-hmm. being let go. Uh, at the time it was, we think there might be a place for you in a future here, but for the meantime, this, and it was a real tough spot to be in because we, I felt I just wanted to run as mm-hmm. part of my wiring, like mm-hmm. the pain avoidance side, mm-hmm. like, okay, fine. If this is going to work, let's just rip the bandaid and go. But even at that time, I remember feeling something that said, stay, mm-hmm. there's something I want to show you. There's things you need to learn through this. Yeah. It was the organization's kind way to say, this isn't working. Right. We don't want you making decisions. Right. So we're just going to strip your influence mm-hmm. and uh, I hate the word power, but you know, yeah, power to make decisions. Responsibilities would be a good word. And we're just going to leave you in the corner. Yeah. And, but if you could sing songs, that'd be great. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a very short list of, yeah. uh, It wasn't even that it was a little more on the menial. And I think my first reaction was bitterness and anger. But as I began this journey with, with Jesus through refresh, I slowly learned like, it was in that, I was like, it was actually a gift. That was God's great. And and that's the reason I asked that is, not to speak bad of the organization, not actually to applaud them yep. in that. And you would not have said this, you know, five or six years ago. I'm positive, not a, right? Not at, not at all. all. But no. to applaud the organization to say, hey, you had a 30-year-old whose mm-hmm. character did not meet his competency. Mm-hmm. Whether they did it the right way or not, that's, sure. you know, who cares? But they recognized it and said, we're not sure what to do. Right. It, it will absolutely was a gift. It got my attention and created a long runway. And I remember telling you guys this, it started to create space and margin Yeah, to the point where like, I don't know what to do. I don't have much to do right now. Bill's actually the one that saw, you know, this cause he worked with you, yeah. uh, this desperation or this, I, maybe desperation might be an inaccurate word, but certainly he saw the tired and worn out and he's mm-hmm. like, Hey, our friend, you haven't talked to him in a while, but our friend, Josh, he really needs us. What was your first refresh experience like? Because it was dramatically different from the stage. It was, in fact, the exact opposite. Get away in the woods. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to anybody and listen to Jesus. What was that first experience like? It was very invitational. I do remember that. Not just on like the front end, but actually getting there. Mm. Because most, if not all, of the group of guys that were there at that time were actually old friends. So it felt like meeting up with old friends, 
And I remember it was, we circled up around the campfire. You guys kind of, you, you told us enough. We still do this today. That's right. We just reveal the next thing, not everything. There's a plan, but, and you guys did that even then. And then you said, we want you to go off, find a spot, be still, and believe that God wants to say something. And I said, cool. I love the woods. Go up north all the time. You know, it's part of my, my, my childhood. This will be a great hike. And my, my wiring is like, I'll look at things and be busy. And I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll walk around until it's time. And um, the short version is, I remember getting not very far into the woods on a trail and found a tree. And there, something told me inside what, what I found out later was the Lord, I want you to climb that tree. I'm like, okay, I'm going to climb this tree. I climb the tree and I see this big branch and I sit there and I get comfortable and um, I'm, I'm probably si- only six to eight feet up. It's not super high, but it's a big tree and I'm sitting there leaning against the trunk on this branch and I can see, I can see a little water and it's, it's peaceful and calm and maybe the first time in a long time that I actually physically, mentally, spiritually been still. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I could hear uh, wind and a breeze coming, like you know when you're in the woods and you know it's coming, but it it hasn't hit you yet. I remember hearing that the rustling, and then I remember it coming. Then what caught me the most off guard was this this branch in this tree started slowly swaying, and in that moment, God said, "Josh, I've got you." Mm-hmm. And I I just I broke mm-hmm. because I don't say that to myself. Right. I don't say. Hey, me, I've got me. And no one was around. It was a thought and an emotion for sure. I remember that. I remember you sharing that around the campfire. And actually, there was a part of me was like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Oh, me too. Yeah, okay. (laughs) We're on the same page. That's right. But here's what I do know in hindsight. And this is how I know that it was Jesus speaking. What we began to see in you as friends, very methodical and slow changes. Now, not at the pace anybody would have liked. I think at first it became like uh, a lifeline to the next experience. 100%. Right? And then you would get to the third one because, again, there wasn't four at that point. It was just an ongoing mm-hmm. group. But by the third one, you could see there were some really big changes. And um, what I do want to ask is as these things started to change in you, how did this play out in? First, I'll ask your family, how did this start to play out in your relationship with your wife and your family? It had huge implications. Um, I knew that that journey was primarily, obviously for me, like, I think that's God's heart and desire is obviously for the person, but like the benefits and the residuals, um, I had no idea, you know, and rarely do we. So then back then, before all of this, my wife would say that their kids just missed their dad. Mm. And that was a two-sided coin. They missed their dad because their dad was always gone, always busy with the thing, the work, the whatever that we talked about. The other side of that coin is that even when I was home, I wasn't me and I was preoccupied, easily angered, all of those things. My mind was somewhere else. It was always about the next day or the 17 things that I didn't get done right. or, you know, what I was going to post on social media or something like that. If I were speaking to people right now, I'd say, raise your hand if you can relate to that. Yeah, <laughs> and the right. whole world's like, yep, that's me. Yeah. So in, in that journey, it was a, 
the slow transformation to where that wasn't the case anymore. My kids got their, their father back. My, my wife got, you know, she got her husband back and I, I got my family back as I almost lost. I think there were, and I think I know there were on more than one occasion, three specifically I can recall, but probably more where I truly did believe that they would be better off if I quietly left. Mm. Maybe it was, I just didn't come home or I just had a, an exit escape plan, yeah. but I, it had gone so far to be like, I'd heard that so many times and didn't know what to do. I was like, well, maybe I'll just leave because if I do, they've got a better shot at not winding up where I know that I am now. Yeah. And I think for years when you would tell me that I always thought, oh, like he'll just gracefully bow out of the family, but you meant life. Like, yeah. I, what if I'm not around anymore? Yeah. If this is all there is and this is how it goes, you know, climbing the ladder and getting busier and kind of darker then why? Why even do yeah, it? What's the point? It was a crisis of life and faith. Yeah. Yeah. When I began to see these changes starting to take place, that kind of stuff ceased to become a part of the conversation. And I remember your wife, Rachel, telling me one time, like with tears, you know, I think it was about a year and a half in, and she just said, thank you, you know, with tears. And, uh, and I'm like, hey, I didn't do anything, literally didn't do anything. Just we created a space. We just... It's not even all that glorious of a space. Um, Jesus did the work and Josh did the work. And I, it, was the, it was the moment where I, it clicked for me like, there's something to this. And, and by this, I mean like guys getting away to be in the quiet with Jesus and these slow changes compounded, accumulated to a softening heart in a man who didn't have it all together yet, but was starting to really pursue Jesus. How did that start to play out? So you transitioned from mega church two to mega church three. How did that impact the way you approached ministry? So when we made that transition, I was actually coming out of the unhealth and actually I would say going I was in health. You're on the, on the road. Yeah. On, on the road. Um, for sure. To the point where spending time with Jesus was that regular thing. And like we had talked about earlier, it wasn't just a hop from experience to experience, refresh to refresh. It was becoming part of life, mm -hmm. a way of life, mm -hmm. the way of life. Um, I distinctly remember, and so does my wife, as we were making that transition in, um, feeling, hearing from the Lord, hey, in this next season, you're going to be cared for, you're going to be served more than you care for others and serve. And I didn't know what to do with that because it, it doesn't compute. That's not why people who did what I did at, at that level right. got into it. It was not about that. And it felt almost like I could have made that up to like just take an easy road. But we saw that become so true. We we found a, a church that 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 loved us for who we were and wanted to just see us have margin um, the first time in our lives in marriage. So about 12 years of marriage, 
that we had the freedom to host a small group and be in a small group because there was margin for it. Right. And to the outside world, to all of the friends and social media people and people I was connected and networked to at all of these great places, it didn't compute. Wait, you took a you took a pay cut and a, a proverbial demotion. Step, yeah, demotion. Yeah. Like you're at, wait, you're at a campus and not just leading the whole thing. Yeah. Like why? Um, which really over time turned into a really beautiful way of being able to share my story, what God's it, done. It did. And you said it earlier, it was a gift. It really was it, a gift. It was a gift um, that the second organization saw you where you were at and that the third organization said, that doesn't matter to us. Right. We love you. Um, you had a little history with them in the mm-hmm. past and we want you healthy. Right. And how long were you there? Uh, over six years. Yeah, right. And you left in a very beautiful way recently to, right. to join us yeah. at Sequel full time. Um, and I saw the way the, the way you approached ministry; it started to change over those years, um, where you were super relational and invitational. The way God's desired uh, designed you and how you desire to be, and you have impacted so many more people at a one on one level at that role than you ever could have at the previous two. Mm. It was unbelievable. You know, I think it's a funny thing when we operate out of our true identity versus a false one. <laughs> it's a really funny thing when you can say, and not not an indignant way, like, I don't care if I ever get to fill in the blank, right. that prestigious thing that you thought was the thing you're supposed to be doing. I don't care. So in my context, I don't care if I ever get to lead worship on a big platform again or, or, or speak or do this big See thing. David Crowder again. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Um, it, no, it didn't matter because it wasn't attached, honestly, to who I yeah. actually am. Yeah. And that, took a, and that took a while. One of the things in our journey that has been so helpful is our text thread, the Fantastic Four. <laughs> the, the chase for free and light. That's right. So uh, we have this text thread called the Fantastic Four and the Chase for Free and Light. And it's me, you, and Bill, and our buddy Adam. I think that's going to be an episode all in itself someday, right? I sure hope so. Yeah. Yeah. But the reason I bring it up is these slow changes, they didn't happen on your own. No. My changes in in my life, my spiritual journey, they didn't happen on my own. They won't happen without you and Bill and Adam and so forth. And we have had this text thread now for, I think it's been six years. Every single morning for six years, there is an understanding that when you get up and spend time with Jesus, you will text the group two words, all in. All in. And that has become so meaningful for us. So what I want to ask you is, what do those two words mean to you? Um, so, so what it means, at least to me, and I think collectively to the four of us is that we have intentionally set aside time to get alone, solitude, mm-hmm. to get quiet, silence before the Lord, to settle. So settling our mind, our body, our, our soul spirit. And I, I think metaphorically, the best thing I can picture, mental picture is open hands. Meaning, God, I'm here, not out of duty, because you've met me here before, and so I'm here again. Mm-hmm. What do you have for me? And Jesus, I'm all in. I'm all in. 
you've got everything. Yeah. You have all, you have all of me. You have my attention. There's no distraction and it's just us. Yeah. I think of those words, you know, we use these, we use this phrase chasing after Jesus. And I think of those words like I am all in and I am going to run as fast as humanly possible to you. I am going to intentionally be still, which is like the laying down of my weapons in my pursuit of you. And I'm just going to do whatever it is you want to do. One of the things I admire about how you pursue Jesus is that in your spiritual rhythm, I think of the four of us, you are the best at settling. It, it, not that that's like a badge that you need to put on your backpack or yeah. you know, anything like that. Could it be? Sure. Yeah. You, you win, you <laughs> win the badge. It sounded weird to say, and it sounded weird to hear. And so that was just my awkwardness. Yeah, right. Yeah. But truthfully, as we teach people to slow down and listen, learning how to settle, when we just did this with nine, nine guys this weekend, the whole weekend was really about learning how to settle and things like that. You embrace that. And I think you get it at a level that I'm still trying to f- figure out actually. I want to dive into this just a little bit because I think it'll help our listeners, especially as they maybe join us for the daily rhythm or they come to an experience or whatever the case is. When we say the words settle, what is it that you mean? Yeah. So I would say my disclaimer to all of this is really, I'll, I'll give it away at the, uh, what normally would come at the end right now. If I can do this, I believe anyone sure. can do this. Um, yep. I'm, I always want to be moving, always want to go. I'm always on to the next thing. That's, that's what I mean when I say, if I can do this, you can too, anyone can too. Sure. But when you ask the question, what does settling mean? Um, it, it is the intentional setting aside of our desires for God's, the intentional creating of space the intentional stillness i mean and i mean that like physically Mm -hmm. and uh the intentional opening up be like okay i i I am at a place physically mentally and hopefully spiritually to where i can be all in and now god what do you want me to know so you're trying to put yourself in a physical mental and heart condition to mm-hmm. hear from God. Eliminate distraction. Yeah, eliminate distraction is a big one. How do you do that? Yeah, uh, for me, it's it's taken a while to figure out, and I feel like it evolves. And I know you guys know that because we talk about that. But um, initially, I would sit there with my phone, which I thought was normal, and I learned pretty quickly that it's <laughs> it, it 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 is normal, sadly, but yeah maybe there's a better way. Maybe that's not the best choice. So, so really honestly, practically, we've talked about this before in other conversations, but I, um, the first thing I do uh, after I, I wake up, um, I I brush my teeth and that's just a personal choice, (laughs) but, but here's the odd thing. Then I make coffee and people like gross, but it's just my thing. Um, I, I make coffee slowly and intentionally. So not gross because it's coffee. Gross because you just brushed your because teeth. Because I just brushed. I've got mint, I've, <laughs> just to clarify. Yeah. So I go downstairs with my minty fresh breath. Yeah. There, okay. There you go. Uh, usually the sun is just coming up or hasn't come up uh, depending on the season. And 
Uh, we're coffee kind of nerds, and, and maybe nerds is the wrong word. Let's we, be, uh, wait, let's be honest. Snobs. Snobs is a great word. Um, coffee you. snob. So um, if you're into coffee, it's pour over coffee for me. And if you think, just think about this for a second. You cannot make a great cup of pour over coffee unless you're fully present. And I've tried mm. to scroll through mm-hmm. a Twitter feed mm-hmm. while trying to pour coffee and do all the things like weighing and grinding and boil. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so um, God has been gracious <laughs> enough to be like, hey, dummy, just do one thing at a time. Yeah. And so it's a slow continuation. I make that cup of coffee. It, it takes somewhere between five to seven minutes. And then I move to a spot or what I call my spot. Mm-hmm. And it changes based on the season. It could be the rocking chair outside. Um, now with the seasons changing and changed, it's the couch inside the window. What you're about to engage in, you just got to have some discipline to it. Yeah. Some intentionality to it. What you're intentionally doing is going to the rocking chair as an example. And what are you going to do when you sit down in that rocking chair? To, to settle. We could talk for, you said we could talk for hours about some things. We could talk for hours about what happens when your phone is the first thing you look at when you wake up. So that's a conversation for Future another time. podcast. Yeah. So since that's not part of the equation, um, it's me, coffee, and wherever I'm sitting with what Bible, what the Bible talks about is that hunger and that thirst. And for everybody listening, I am describing the best days. Sure. They're not all like that. So you talked about discipline, mm-hmm. discipline being a continual effort towards something. There are days I'm, hi, my name's Josh and I'm a human. It's been hard to not think about all the things I have to do during the day. And so I've actually built that into a ritual that happens after this time. Um, and I'm a couple months actually into that. The next thing to do is just become aware of like where I am. Mm-hmm who I am. And maybe this is the Christianese, like whose I am. Right. You know, so hi, my name is Josh. I'm a child of God and he loves me and is pleased with me. Cue the music. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, something we teach and show and guide people here, we guide people on how to do this a little bit and there's no hard and fast way. Everybody's sure. different. But for me, there's some intentional breathing that happens and if you're thinking like, oh, this sounds like you're maybe heading down a meditation route, um, yes and no. Um, but there's something that happens we've talked about, like physiologically, when you slow down intentionally the way you breathe, right. you're focused on it. And like we talked about a few minutes ago, I am trying my best to not try. That makes sense. I'm trying my best to not try to right. do anything. Just to be present. I want to be present in this moment knowing over experience that this moment is going to inform the rest of my day. If your aim is to apprentice to the person of Jesus, that is the only way it works. And I, I know you can say this from experience. So can the other guys and countless others now who are experiencing this too. Everything on the other side of that in the next 10, 15, 20 hour, whatever, is so much more rich so much more meaningful because of the way you entered into it. That's right. That's why, I mean, that's why we talk about this and put so much emphasis on you have to settle because it's a very first things first. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I want to wrap this up and, and sort of bring this full circle. So you don't work at a church any longer. Correct. You worked at a church though for the 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. But you are still 
incredibly passionate about the church and still you, in fact you still lead worship mm-hmm. at the campus that you worked at yep yeah so if you had to give one piece of encouragement from 20 years of ministry experience in the local church if you had to give one piece of encouragement to those leading the church and working in the church what would that be this is for them but i think it's for honestly for everybody the truth is your your personal relationship with God matters so much more than anything you could ever do for him. And all of those things are such good things, but they're not first things. Mm-hmm. So I'll say that again. Your relationship, aka your standing with God, spoiler alert, he's pleased with you. Mm-hmm. He loves you. <laughs> matters so much more than anything you could you could do for him. And I think that's the biggest part of in the best way possible divorcing our identities from what it is that we do who we actually are you said something to me today there's a difference between taking a walk with god (laughs) and walking with god a a little reference to our friend john eldridge john Mm -hmm. if you're listening we want to meet you we don't know you but um love your book invite us to colorado that's right love your book but you know, we love that book, Walking with God, but there's a difference between walking with God and taking a walk with God. I want to ask you what you mean by that, because you just said our personal relationship with God matters more than anything we could ever do. So what did you mean by that phrase? Great question. <laughs> it sounded really good coming out. Uh, and I really do believe there's there's substance to that. You know, I, I often can dance on the line of like maybe going too far <laughs> comments or whatever. So I I don't want this to seem judgmental at all because I don't really think it is. I think it goes back to the knowing a lot about God versus actually knowing him. So if the if the real goal is to know God, not understand him, because we we can't, we mm-hmm. can't even begin to. But to know God, that is not going to happen on what I was referring to, an occasional walk with God. So I'll give an example. My all in quote unquote, all in time in the morning. That could be a walk with God. If that's the only thing, my only awareness of his presence, my only awareness of what he's saying and what he's doing in my world, in my life, in my day, that could be a walk with God. Or that could be part of walking with God. Mm. I think walking with God is the continual awareness of his presence, the continual knowing that we're his, he's with us, he's for us. And like what we say, like he's always speaking through his word, through mm-hmm. our thoughts, through the helper that Jesus talks mm-hmm. about, the Holy Spirit, aka mm-hmm. how that works with our conscience and, and all of that stuff. The walking with God is what God wants. But I think so often we think that these little stop-offs, quote unquote, a quiet time, which again, not bad, that can be part of walking with God. Or if that's all we do, it's a walk with God. It reminds me of the word rhythm. We talked about that last month. Yeah. Walking with God implies there is a rhythm and a cadence to your walk with him. And it's not a formula that you need to check a certain number of boxes, spend a certain amount of time with him each day. The idea is that we're walking with him and there's a rhythm. Walk. Yeah, it's, con- it's, it's consistent. It's constant. And even, even the, the own semantics of the phrase, there's no end. 
Yeah. I Yeah. We're walking. Continual. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's super encouraging and hopefully an encouragement to our friends. Be walking with God. Don't just take a walk. Yeah. Love that. Buddy, this was a long time coming. <laughs> I think we have talked about uh, several times, you know, one day when we're just having these conversations, we should just turn on the mics and just right. have it. And that's what this has felt like. And, uh, you know, I don't think it, I hope it's not too long, but I have thoroughly enjoyed this. So thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for being an encouragement to so many. Thanks for your leadership at Sequel and in and what God is doing here. Thanks for being on Free and Light. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. At Sequel, we believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate relationship with Jesus. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.